Report number two. It is my duty to expose what this darkness really is. I shall conduct the following experiments. Extract the darkness from a person's heart. Cultivate darkness in a pure heart. Both suppress and amplify the darkness within. The experiments cause the test subject's heart to collapse, including those of the most stalwart. How fragile our hearts are. My treatment produced no signs of recovery. I confined those who had completely lost their hearts beneath the castle. Sometime later, I went below and was greeted by the strangest sight. Creatures that seemed born of darkness. What are they? Are they truly sentient beings? Could they be the shadows of those who lost their hearts in my experiments? Welcome to Backlog Dialogues, the podcast where we dig you out of your backlog before it burrs you. I'm John, and joining me is the Tigger and Eeyore to my poo. Thanks for noticing me. <laughs> I'm Jared. And I'm Matt, so I guess I'm Tigger. I guess so. Well, I don't want to be him, so it's, that's all yours. Also, <laughs> you said poo. Sorry, I'm 15 oh, sometimes. <laughs> uh, this episode's totally going to get banned in China. For lots of reasons. Yeah. Fuck, <laughs> she's in ping. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. We're having the hot takes. Politics. <laughs> no politics. Eh, some politics. Occasional <laughs> politics. Easy politics. That's fine. <laughs> if you have to censor out Winnie the Pooh in the most populous country in the world because you're such a thin-skinned loser, yeah, you deserve to get called on it on a stupid little Z-list podcast. Isn't it literally just because some people started doing caricatures with him as Winnie the Pooh and yep. no other reason? Yep, he's I'm, a thing. I'm trying to be knowledgeable, but that's always been my understanding. Yep, that's my understanding as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we just got kicked out of Hollow Bastion after a lot of shit happened. And obviously we want to get back there, but the game's going to send us back to Traverse Town first. And while we're here, throughout the game, we've been collecting these weird little pages. So let's talk about a side quest that we skipped in all our discussions up till now, because now we're able to actually just like go back and do it all. There are some of the main path worlds we complain about lack of story. This side quest, well, it's certainly not bad anyway, has no story to speak of. So it kind of made sense to put it all together. Let's be clear. It has some story, but it's spread out across five mini chapters. Well, it is a story. Yeah, it's a story. But it's also just like rather than you go here, you solve a pro bunch of problems and then the story is done. It's you go here, you play a mini game and then the story progresses a tiny little bit. So we could be going back to Hollow Bastion for obvious dark shit, but let's read a children's book, which has some nice implied dark shit instead. Yep. <laughs> I actually really liked Winnie the Pooh when I was young. So did I. I always really empathized with your ear was the greatest mind of our time. I also did. I How about you, Jared? <laughs> well, this is one of those things where I know I watched, but my actual memories of watching it when I was young aren't really there. It's like, I know plenty about it, but it's more like stuff I know secondhand these days. So anyway, in case you couldn't pick up from all that, we're going to be visiting the Winnie the Pooh world in Kingdom Hearts, <laughs> which is very strange how it's handled. Back when we went back to Traverse Town for the second time, we actually, Sid stopped us as he had something he needed help with. Yep. Sid had a book that he was given to restore, mm -hmm. and... He did the best he could. <laughs> yep, he did the best he could. I wish, I mean, he didn't do any effort at all. Well, my impression is I assume they just kind of give him a big pile of papers and scraps of leather and you put something together out of that. But Yeah, that's probably tr something like that. But what we have now is a book that's missing pages. <laughs> yep. And he wants you to take it back to Merlin. 
this is actually how you're introduced to Merlin. We glossed over that. Mm-hmm. It's what is what if you hadn't gone there to see him before. This is what he gets in. He would set up his house at this time, and the book events set on a stand in his house. Mm-hmm. Merlin lets you know this is not a normal book. It's a very special one. You so you look at it anytime you want. Mm-hmm. And what happens when you look at the book? You go into the book. The book always draws in its reader, right? Yeah, this seems normal. Mm-hmm. You're on a little world map. You didn't even see the spine of the book and the curve of the pages. It's like literally just open and you're standing on it. Isn't there a little crease for the spine? I think it really is like just a full open book. I, I think like this, it's more like implied. I mean, there's an open book. So there's going to be the crease for the pages. Oh, well, it is whatever it is. It's a it's two pages of book laid out. And as you find torn pages throughout the other worlds, new chapters and mini games unlock in this book. But when you first go in there, the, all you find is a single little clearing with Pooh Bear sitting in it. And he is pondering some deep shit when you go talk to him. Who is having the most whimsically horrifying existential crisis of our time? When you go up and talk to Pooh, Pooh says he is thinking about how to say goodbye to Pooh because everyone else left. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> He basically always has to say is like I'm thinking of saying hi to Pooh. It's like, oh, who's Pooh? It's like he goes, yes. Like, wait, your Pooh? <sighs> and he's like, yeah. I was like, so soon maybe I will go away. So I'm thinking I'll say goodbye to me. It's like this is a innocent, kind of silly bear, you know, as everyone calls it, imagining the end of his existence. Yeah, and I mean, like, if you think about the way Winnie the Pooh stories kind of work, it makes a weird kind of sense that Pooh is thinking about shit like this. Yes, but I mean, what this, the fuck? <laughs> this is very quintessentially Winnie the Pooh. Like this, it's just turned into something very dark. It's actually an interesting kind of dark rather than, you know, the, the Zack Snyder kind of gritty, realistic, grimdark stuff. No, this is Tessio Nomura darkness stinging up the place. And let's be clear, there's no Heartless here. There's really no, no like elements of plot here. There's one thing that's implied to be involved with a world. But the only thing that's happening here is that because this book is wrecked, everything's been ripped out of it, and Pooh's just in there by himself because he was spared. So yeah, damage a book, you might be destroying living creatures inside. Think about that before you mess with your library books. Can I still dog-ear them? Or is it better to use a bookmark? I just memorize pages numbers, but that's because I'm stubborn. Wow, that- I don't do that. <laughs> that's impressive, actually. It's just the way my brain works. It's not hard. I just use bookmarks. But is dog-earing actually a problem? I wouldn't do it with a library book, but uh, with your books, you know, do whatever. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, you, you crushed Piglet by doing it, though. You just folded it right over his head. Oh, no. Anyway, after Pooh just drops the existential bomb on Sora, Owl shows up and tells you you need to find more pages to see where the story goes. Basically, after Pooh was pondering his stuff, he's like, well, that was fun. I'm going to go get high and think about this more. He just wanders off and you're blocked by some sort of barrier. And that's what Owl <laughs> tells you. That if you want to see where the story goes, you got to go find the pages. Yep. It is one of those weird, you can't go here yet type things, but it's being gated out by you have to find a certain torn page somewhere. I don't remember where the torn pages are and I'm not going to look it up because <laughs> I just always do this at the end of the game anyway. One of them comes from the Dalmatian collection quest. Other ones are mostly like in the second set of worlds. There might be one in one of the first worlds so they get advanced movement like line though. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I'm not sure. So they just kind of spread out. They guarantee you're going to find them during the late part of the game. Yep. And you do find them all if you have any, like even the slightest sense of exploration. Yeah, the only thing is you might be a little stumped on the Dalmatians because some of them are a little weird to find and they're all over the map. And that's the only one that might be even a slight block. Even that, you don't need like all of them by far, so it's not too bad. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I do this at the end every time anyway, so I don't remember where the pages are. 
One of the interesting things for this, to be honest, is that Sora kind of takes the place of Christopher Robin, I suppose, which is, I guess it's predictable, but still interesting. Yeah, Sora already is a self-insert character, so it's just completely absorbed someone else's role. Yeah, we're we're already exploring some weird existential shit right now. Why not go and more? So I guess once we get the next uh, torn page, we get to go back, and this is when... The Hundred Acre Wood reveals its true identity as this game's minigame library. Yep, exactly. You got kind of like a, the little book map. You kind of can wander around and new areas will pop up and be visible. And that's like your next scene is that. The first one that we get, as, also as it adds every minigame, it also adds some new characters every time. I that the page was the character in question in parts and their, and their home or locale. Basically, like their entire existence is held up in a single page out of the book. That's weird. It's a very special book. That's all Merlin told us. That's all we need to know. Yep. Stop asking questions. Yep. So anyway, who do we meet in the first page? Well, what we have here is we have the honey tree and we meet Piglet. Oh, boy. What's Piglet doing at the honey tree? Hiding. As usual. It's it's Piglet, dude. Yeah. Piglet's terrified of everything. He's a good character, but he has extreme anxiety and fears. Gosh, every single Winnie the Pooh character is just the biggest mood. <laughs> yeah, I've heard of people like they use it to help describe like they help kids learn about emotions, even describe like issues they're having. This is uh, true. Yeah, that's interesting. That, that's kind of interesting. I guess you could say that it's a more subtle uh, inside out, I suppose. <laughs> Beat it by decades. So now it is worth noting Pooh and all his characters are kind of at the scale of stuffed animals. So Sora's mm-hmm. towering over everyone, much like Christopher Robin did. Piglet is tiny compared to this, this huge hominid comes up and just crouches before him, and he's terrified. Yeah, I mean, I would be scared, too, if a giant Final Fantasy character came tromping through my city. <laughs> That's just the weirdest image. So, so not to mention, one thing you can do in this world is you're... All of your commands are locked, except there's one that just says hit, so you can smack things and see if they break for items. So there's just this big guy running through, smashing all the pots. Yep. (laughs) You still have a key, right? Yeah, it's just a basic. I think it actually is just the basic overworld key as opposed to the uh, different ones you can have. No, I think it can be any key. Uh, Maybe. But it it doesn't do anything that the keyblade normally does. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> so you're just talking to Piglet. He's like, you got him calm enough. He's listening to you for a couple of seconds, and then Pooh just ambles up, and he's just happy to see Piglet. Has no memory of the whole everyone's vanished thing. He just, you know, his friends here now. Well, the page is back. <laughs> that means the existence never went away. Pooh's never really been a deep thinker. He has to really focus or remind himself to think in average. So <laughs> he has to remind himself that he was going to do his morning exercises. See, I would actually disagree with you and say Pooh is actually the deepest thinker. He's just on such another level that everyone else is just inconsequential. So why does he get stuck in stuff? I mean, he has a one-track mind, mostly food. Yeah, remember, remember he, has to, he literally has to tell himself to think. So. Yep. I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> so... But Pooh isn't even all that focused on seeing Piglet. He just knows there's a tree with honey in now, so it's time to harass the bees. Yep. And so our first mini game is we have to smack bees away from Pooh while he's floating up to get honey. This is probably my least favorite of them. The way it works is you stand on a tree branch and you can hit, I don't remember what button, like, like a side button. It will automatically jump you up and down. And you have to follow Pooh as he floats up independently on his balloon because Piglet got his balloon for him. And when bees come here, you have to smack him while he just sticks his face into the tree and gets honey points. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but because platforming and the camera are really always struggling in this game, I always had a hard time with so It was hard for me just to complete it enough to continue effort. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, you only need to do it once. Yeah. 
I think the expectation is, oh, they want to do these mini games, right? Um, and then it's like, no, I just want to go on with the story. Give reward. <laughs> it is kind of a weird thing how JRPGs are always like, would you like to be doing anything other than playing a JRPG right now? Let's go snowboarding. Everyone has mini games, yeah. And I'm like, no, I'd like to play a JRPG right now, thank you very much, unless your mini game is Blitzball. I will get distracted by and addicted to your mini game later on my own terms. Let me play the story for now. Yes. So anyway, once you help Pooh get the honey, you get the Bambi summon, as I recall. Yeah. We actually haven't been talking about the summons too much. We've been mentioning them, but not really focusing on them. Yep. I never use them a ton myself. The problem is, like, the summons are just sort of like, you have to go through an extra step to get them anyway, because you have to take them to Merlin to get them. No, you have to take them to the fairy godmother to get them unlocked. Well, she said Merlin, so you're still right. Yeah. She's crashing in Merlin's couch, eating all his food. I just fear she's just chewing on bits of the pumpkin. That's quite possible. That's neither here nor there. You get Bambi, and Pooh just goes off to ignore his friends and get more honey. Because that's what Pooh yeah. does. He needs a smackerel of honey. That's just how it is. And again, I'll let you know that you're at the end of the story, so it's time to get to the next page. Yep. Ansem Report, number four. The Heartless appear in groups and are multiplying rapidly. I provided them both living and non-living samples. They've responded only to the living. They seem to multiply after absorbing something from the living creatures. Their prey vanishes without a trace. I believe the heartless are taking hearts. They are born from those who've lost their hearts and thrive on hearts seized from others. The hearts taken by the heartless become heartless themselves. Though I lack proof, I am confident in this hypothesis. I must also study their behavioral principles. Though they lack emotions, they do seem to have some intelligence. How to communicate with them? It's just occurred to me. Could they be the darkness in people's hearts? Next time you get a page, you find yourself at Rabbit's house. And Rabbit does not deserve his lot in life. <laughs> Rabbit's main problem is he has a lot of paranoid neuroses, and but also people keep harassing him and breaking into his house. Yep. His problem is he really should be better at saying no. But he always just caves. He's a bit OCD in, in some of the like sort of uh, cliched ways of it. Mm-hmm. Like he's a bit obsessed with order, but also he like he kind of is stuck on social norms. He'll be polite if you catch him out in the open. Like for example, the way this works is Pooh's locked up to Rabbit's house, and they say the house is saying no one's home. Also, I think Rabbit is very much the the ant in the Grasshopper and the Ant parable as well for the Hundred Acre Wood. I think you're right, and I, and, but all I can think of is the Futurama version of that parable. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so Rabbit, since he's really not good at dodging direct requests, he's trying to avoid it by staying inside his house and just shouting no one's home and hoping they buy it. So, of course, you just go in through the back door. <laughs> if you are even tangentially aware of Winnie the Pooh, I think probably the most iconic thing of Winnie the Pooh is Pooh as a big lumbering jerk crawls his way into Rabbit's house and gets stuck in the window. Not even in that order. It's basically like he follows Sora in and Rabbit just sighs and just welcomes his friend in for lunch, at which Pooh apparently eats everything. Mm-hmm. And he decides to go out through the rabbit hole entrance and he gets stuck. Yep. Because he's fat. Ugh. What do we have to do? We just have to shove him out, right? No, we have to make him carrot top juice because that will make him slim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that yep. means we need to get carrots in the garden, and because nothing's simple here, when you go to the garden, well, what happens? 
mini game. Oh, that you actually got ahead of me. I was like, what happens first? The more unpleasant thing. Oh, Tigger shows up. Yeah, I, I'm hoping I'm not crushing too many childhoods, but Tigger is my least favorite character of this entire uh, universe. Isn't Tigger is basically a narcissist? I remember as a kid, I I emphasize him a little because he always struck me as similar to my own ADD issues. But he's also self-absorbed, has no sense of personal boundaries, so he jumps on people. Mm-hmm. He'll storm into places, like, take your food, eat it, and then throw it away because he didn't like it, just yep. so that you don't get any of it. He will insult you just, like, because you are not as special as he is. He's actually kind of handsy, as much as a cartoon stuffed animal can be. <laughs> and he lives entirely for his own bliss. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, most of that is bouncing. He's basically like any 15-year-old in an anime convention. <laughs> oh, Christ. Case in point, he comes bounding up like he normally would, much like Rabbit Pooh doesn't notice that more of his friends have returned. And we explain to him, we need these carrots, but he's got to bounce. He's going to bounce on top of carrots and smash them into the ground so we can't have them. And that's the minigame. We have to stop him from doing this. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. As I recall, isn't there a reaction command that just, like, lets you instantly go over and intercept him? Yeah, basically, you're making him bounce on your head over and over again so he's not crushing what you need. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's 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 wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, strong, strong feelings about Tigger here. <laughs> we are re-examining our past as we are exploring Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> and realizing that Tigger is kind of a gigantic asshole is part of that process. Be careful when you look inside. You may not like what you find. <laughs> my soul is clean because Eeyore was my favorite. Yes. I just remember Tigger's song. Tigger's song is catchy as heck. Ugh, I remember the nightmare song he causes. Yeah, he also causes the Heffalumps and Woozles song, and that song is just playing all the nightmare. Heffalumps and Woozles steal honey. Beware. Beware. <laughs> okay, if, you, if you're going to stop her, I'm going to sing it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and I can't. I know enough of it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I myself in horrible knots. They come in stripes and polka dots. So you're going to challenge me? Beware. <laughs> Beware. Be a very wary bear. The songs of for Winnie the Pooh were, in fact, really good. Oh, yeah. I said earlier that I didn't like all that many Disney songs. A horrifying uh, admission to me, but go on. <laughs> Winnie the Pooh is, uh, I, I suppose, an exception. I, I guess mm-hmm. I was young enough that I, I was just really into those. Eventually, you save enough crops that you're able to make the smoothie to slim poo down like you do. Yeah, and then he just then you you all do the pole. He flies out of the hole, slams into some of Rabbit's stored honey pots. He keeps outside for some reason because life wasn't hard enough for Rabbit. Yeah, no, Rabbit just keeps getting the short end of the stick. <laughs> so what's the next one? Poo swing. Poo swing. What do we do in the poo swing? Well, Eeyore shows up. Really? Yep. Like, what is he doing? <laughs> well, he's just kind of sitting there, you know. He's 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 kind of following Eeyore's idiom. Mm-hmm. He's unmotivated. He's kind of happy to see his friends, but he has such a hard time uh, expressing it. And his t- his pin on tail is missing. I always considered Eeyore to be my favorite, and as I've gotten older, I've been kind of like understanding a bit why. <laughs> but <laughs> the Eeyore, of course, is an extreme pessimist to the point that you could easily make a case that he probably literally depressed. Yeah, but let's not talk about that. This is Winnie the Pooh. Fair enough. <laughs> and it's just like he's practical to the point of maybe giving up a bit too easy on stuff. But he also seems to know what he's talking about. Yeah. Like he can come up with reasoning for his low moods. Mm-hmm. 
And everybody just loves his voice. I think it's the his, it's, his voice is fantastic. Who voices him? Oh, that you 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 had to ask me that. Yes, I did. I want to know these things. <laughs> I need to know all things. It's he's the voice of Gone Through Rightly. The original featurettes was a man named Ralph Wright. Like when he went to the TV shows, it went from Ron Gans to Peter Cullen. Okay. And in Kingdom Hearts, he's voiced by someone named Greg Berger. Okay. Uh, you'd have to. I, so those aren't ones that immediately jump out to me. You'd actually have to look it up. But Berger does seem to be a uh, widespread voice actor. That wasn't as interesting as I hoped. Sorry, man. But still a really fun voice because I think it's kind of the epitome of how to sound really depressed as an as an exaggerated bit, but still sounds convincing. It stands out really well. Uh, well, that's not to say that the other Winnie the Pooh characters don't stand out. Like yeah, they're all very distinct. Oh yeah, I think Tigger's voice was a pretty big voice actor, too, wasn't he? Aren't Pooh, Piglet, and Tigger all voiced by the same person? Remember, we're talking a really decades-long history at this point, so... Yeah, but I'm talking like it recently. Uh, I feel like that's one I do know. Aren't they all Jim Cummings? And the original is Paul Winchell, a name I do recognize by half the place. Jim Cummings has been Pooh and Tigger for a while. Okay. But he didn't really fully take over the role till 2000. But that means, for the purposes of Kingdom's Heart, it's, it's Jim Cummings. Yeah, and it's not surprising. Cummings has a lot of range. Yeah, Cummings is great. So uh, once we meet Eeyore and find out his predicament, we swing Pooh into the air to find his his tail. I forget how this minigame works exactly. It does not stick in my brain. How does this minigame work? Pooh is being swung back and forth on a swing by Sora, and you when you push a button, Sora moves his arm as if to push it. So you have to time it right. giving more force. Right, fuck this minigame. <laughs> And then, as I recall, <laughs> who lands on Eeyore's goddamn house? Yeah, this mini game's oh, awful no. and it ends in a terrible mode. <laughs> but, you know, that's where the tail was, so. Yeah, okay. It's okay. Rabbit will help him put it back together, right? Eh, maybe. I, <laughs> doesn't. I always feel like it's just Eeyore puts his house back together by himself because no one wants to help him. I don't think if someone wants to, he doesn't ask. He doesn't. Th- he, he basically. He he just kind of does things by himself. He feels sad, but it's one of his problems was he doesn't he doesn't really ask for help directly. So it kind of just reinforces that that. Mental Thanks for mood. noticing me mood. Yeah, big mood. It's a, I don't think it's passive aggressive. I don't think it's deliberate neglect. It's just kind of Eeyore does things himself and people they just sort of accept it. Well, he doesn't want to be a problem to other people, right? Big mood. <laughs> anyway, where do we go next? There's no way I can't say the name I gave this without being a bad joke, because we go for we have to deal with Tigger's pot. <laughs> 420. Blaze it. <laughs> Ugh, would you be shocked? No. It might mellow him out a bit. Basically, I guess since Tigger was the villain in the in the other minigame is and he's gotta have one for himself. Now Rue has shown up. His mom never shows up in the first game, as I recall. Yeah, that sounds right. So we have a so we have a uh, unwatched child, but whatever. Mm-hmm. A child that is hanging out with the worst influence in the world. Well, that's that's true. To, that's true to show, as I recall. Yep. So basically, they're hanging out this place with a whole bunch of tree stumps and climbable trees, and a yeah, there's a lot of weird platforming in this section, as I recall. Oh uh, yeah, there's a giant stump in the middle with a huge pot on it. Yep. And Tigger basically challenges you to play Simon Says with hopping. Yep. You have to hop along the logs without falling down. Not just that; you have to follow his pattern. Right. And his pattern does not use the same camera angles you use. In fact, it uses multiple camera angles, so I'm going to say fuck you to this minigame. Yeah, yeah, I know. This one, I like, the intention is not as good as the execution. <laughs> I'd say the other way around, but... Oh, yeah, 
the execution is not as good as the intention. Yeah. That's what I should I have mean, said. I mean, you're already you're already struggling with the the jumps aren't exactly forgiving. You have relatively little uh, leeway on them. Like they're not like they're jumps that you basically have to do full jumps for. You're fighting the camera and the platforming, and you have to reconstruct the way Tigger moved from his switching camera angles to your uh, over the shoulder third person shots. Mm. And you go through like three different patterns. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens in the story here. Pooh's kind of wandering around doing stuff, but he doesn't really connect characters. He doesn't even notice Rue, as I recall. At this point, we're just sort of like, oh, hey, new characters have appeared. Time for a new minigame. And this one, though, there's a whole bunch of items you can find out in the treetops by going through shoots, by being flung into the air at one point by a seesaw. There's actually a lot to do here. This is kind of the wander around and do stuff world. There's even some dark matter in here, which is concerning. If it wasn't for the fact that dark matter is just a crafting item, I would be a bit more concerned, actually. What, because you shouldn't be able to see it? The first place my mind goes when I think of dark matter when it comes to Final Fantasy is Odin, because of Final Fantasy IX. So this is an item that can at least summon a high-level Eidolon. A god that will kill you with a one-shot of a sword. <laughs> yep, it's not good. Why is that here? Why is this in this idyllic little storybook world? It's a very special book. Stop asking questions. <laughs> But I want to. <laughs> but I said you're putting yourself at risk, I think. What's next? The last one. The Muddy Path. <sighs> it's the absolute worst minigame there is. Who likes escort missions? No. That's what it is. Pooh, you know, all his friends are back. It's a happy ending for Pooh. Except they all just wandered and got lost in the last two minutes. Yeah, you got to find them in a very obnoxious little... Although they all know Sora already. Like, Sora's interested in how they interact with him. They don't care if Sora finds them. Pooh has to find them. And Pooh just kind of wanders along unless you call him, in which way he'll waddle his butt over to you. Yep, it is really slow, kind of obnoxious, especially when you need to, like, get him to a particular gimmick to knock him up onto a platform because you need to have him go on some wind. Or, like, flush some bees out of a hollow walk so he'll walk through it once he finally figures out he's going there. Mm-hmm. At the end, you just kind of all stuff them in this little, this little clearing in the middle of a thicket so they stay put. Yep. So, yeah... You know, it's funny. We, we left this for an end here. We seem to be just doing nothing but complaining about it. <laughs> the concept of the world is better than the execution of the minigames. Yeah. <laughs> I do think the platforming engine was a pretty destructive element as well. And the non-platforming ones, like the like the, the pushing of the swing of that, are just so simplistic. They're not even worth redoing. Like a lot of other things, it's a prototype for what 100 Acre Wood would be in another game. And that's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we can't spend all our time just saying it's going to be different later, we promise. How about I do anyway? So once you've done all the mini games and, and just realize to yourself, no, I'm not going to be rerunning the money path for a faster for a faster time. Thank you very much, Jiminy. Fortunately, you don't have to in this game. Then we have a final scene where the all of them are just sitting up and like they've all gathered together. So and they're just watching the sunset. Yep. Yeah, there's, they have a little conversation about friendship and how like, they're happy together. And Sora says he has to find his friend. Sora does make a promise to come back. And we just have this idyllic scene of them watching him from up like on a like a little like little cliff, the tree there as he as he walks off and waves to him. And so as you step out of the book in the place of Christopher Robin on the cover of the book, there is now a picture of Sora walking hand in hand with Pooh Bear. And this is the first time we've seen the cover. So maybe it was always there, but who cares? <laughs> Well, like, I think in the, the cover might have been, like, just Pooh Bear and not anyone else. But now we have Sora on the cover with Pooh Bear, fully cementing himself as the self-insert Gary Stew that fixes all the problems. Was there ever a Christopher Robin he just ceased to exist? Like, did we rip up that page? They sent Christopher Robin through the Castle of Illusion. That's what happened. Not, not a Castle of Illusion, Castle of Oblivion. That's what I meant to say. Hey, you're getting ahead. We're almost there. Yeah. <laughs> 
Now my awful MatPat style fan theory. No, no, my, no game theory. None <laughs> of that. Yeah, is that it. is that Sora is Christopher Robin's Gary Stu form? Oh so, no! Insert character. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh no! That has a lot of terrible implications, doesn't it? It's just I don't even know where to go with that. Sora is Christopher Robin's nobody. <laughs> oh, that <no>. was <laughs> <laughs> turning to an Ouroboros. <laughs> oh anyway, gosh, this is it has this, it has the this. cover closes like it has one of those old style book latches, and you see a keyhole on the latch, which then like shimmers and vanishes like it was locked. Yep. This is one of the keyholes you need to get the secret ending. So apparently just this book was its own world, though I think pretty much one, one heart was to come up and eat in it, and that would be it. Sounds about right. Answer report number six. A massive core of energy lay beyond the door sought by the heartless. It may be the ultimate goal of the heartless. But what is that energy? I have devised a hypothesis based upon my observations of the heartless. The heartless feed on others' hearts, and they yearn for that energy core. That thing beyond the door must be a heart, too. The heart of this world. There is no proof, but, having felt that immense energy, I am certain. That was the heart of the world. The heartless are trying to take hearts not only from all living creatures, but from the planet itself. But what do they mean to do with the heart of the world? So now that that, that, charm, that charming uh, diversion into mini games we hate and characters we only somewhat like, let's go back to Hollow Bastion. In order to get back to Hollow Bastion, first we need to hang out in Traverse Town. Which, hey, since we were in Winnie the Pooh, we're back in Traverse Town right now. Yeah. Basically, Sid lets us know that key that we couldn't close because of various lore reasons. That there's a huge swarm of heartless coming out. If they go back the same way, we'll just get killed on the way. So he needs to plot a new course for us. Yep. So we got some time to kill. Yep. We need some cutscenes to uh, kill some time. What can we get? Well, we can go down to the secret waterway where we found Leon after we learned to smash our faces in the bars. Mm-hmm. Since we've finally rescued Kyrie, we need some time to interact with her. Hey, finally a scene with Kyrie that t- actually talking about events. Poor Kyrie. Yeah. She's, she spends most of this entire game as a damsel. Not just that, she spends most of the entire game like not even getting to say any lines because she's been dehearted. Is that the right she's word? Oh, this place, she's been in a coma. Coma implies something wrong with the brain. This is that her heart went to Sora for a while. In the underground waterway, so Kyrie's here, she's musing about a mural showing a, like showing a light at the end of the tunnel, and Sora just says, oh yeah, I saw your memory. So I remember that little myth story we talked about. Which Kyrie's like, oh right, our, our minds were stuck together. That's not weird. Yeah. Not weird at all. Everyday stuff, right? And then Sora just points out, well, you saved me too, because I turned into that uh, oddly huggable little plush monster. I was lost in darkness. Your voice saved me. And now we need to save Riku. Save Riku from the consequences of his own decisions. Yep. Well, someone else is kind of now taking him to a new level, so there's at least an argument there. But by the way, Kyrie, you can't come. <laughs> I hope that doesn't become a trend. At this point in the story, you're the guy with the magical... Uh, darkness slaying weapon. She's the girl who's been whose body has been inactive for months and probably has some atrophy going. Yeah, she she probably should get some rest, but she does give you a new keychain. So let's say Star, she made out of shells. 
If I remember correctly, this is the premier Magic-type Keyblade in the game. I, I think it's a very popular design. You see a lot of art of Sora holding this particular well, Keyblade. Part of that is also because of Roxas. Mm. Because Roxas gets both the Oathkeeper and the Oblivion as his dual-wielding Keyblades. Yeah, that too. Oathkeeper just kind of has representation of a late-stage, like, uh, un- like, moderately unique Keyblade. I would say it's one of the best Keyblade designs in the game. Like, it's connected to the lore, and it uh, looks really good, so it's just like a very memorable Keyblade. Just reading this description of the design. The teeth are in the shape of the kanji for light, corresponding to the Oblivion's kanji for darkness. That is some galaxy brain design shit right there. Actually, let me see that now. Now I have to look it up. Yeah, holy crap, it is. That's insane. We'll talk about the Oblivion in a bit. So once you get the uh, the Oathkeeper keychain, we actually, if you're playing Final Mix, you get a special scene. Mm-hmm. You can tell it's special because much like the one other scene that was added like this, it's it's animated like a full scene, like rather than just in a game engine. But there's no one speaking. It's, it's silent except for background noise and the, and the words are just floating on text on the screen. If it wasn't for the fact that this is a final mix added scene and that's why there's no voice acting, I would think there's no voice acting so that you don't know the identity of who's talking to Riku. Shall we keep that secret for just a bit? I don't know, fella. Do you want to? Oh, never mind that then. Basically, this voice calls out to Riku saying, like, you know, you fucked up, but I've been trying to help you. I have something here to help us and we can get out of this darkness. So maybe stop fucking up, buddy. It's going to start a pattern for this character being the one that ends up being Riku's best friend in the same way that Donald and Goofy hang out with Sora. Now, he's he says that the doorway of darkness will open soon, but they need two keys and two hearts to close it. But he does have the other key. The other key? What the heck are you talking about? There's only one keyblade. And so anyways, Kyrie actually also, to be honest for us, she had a different navigation gummy, which apparently is exactly what Sid needs. So you give it to him and he can now fix the ship and get it to go. Yay! Ansem Report 8. There is no doubt that the Heartless are deeply connected to people's hearts. Further study may unravel both their motivations and the mysteries shrouding the heart. As a start, I have built a device that artificially creates Heartless. By recreating the conditions that spawn the Heartless naturally, I should be able to produce them artificially. This device is the culmination of all my research thus far. The machine's test run successfully created a Heartless. This may be a step towards creating a heart from nothing. The artificially and naturally created Heartless showed nearly identical traits, but the two types remain distinct for the purpose of the experiment, so I will mark the ones that are created artificially. Back to Hollow Bastion. And we run into, basically just run into Beast right away. Yeah. It's basically the same dungeon, right? It's just going through the dungeon again. There's not a lot of story yet. And also you've had kind of opened all the uh, the doors that so you don't have to do the extra exploration. Like, I think the monsters are moderately harder, but that's about it. Oh, the monsters everywhere are harder now. Yeah, yeah. After the scene of the last episode, after the door, after that, that like uh, final key was opened, Monsters in every world upgrade. Like, there's dark yep. balls and other types everywhere. Yeah, to navigate through the castle again. Uh, I don't know if it's as fun the second time, but it's probably quicker. That's quicker. And, like, Beast is there. He's like, you yeah, know, they stopped fighting, and I was just fine. Mm-hmm. And then they're off to find Belle, and we find Belle in the library. She gives you another weapon. Was it Divine Rose? Yeah, that's probably it. That one's that one I always thought was cool, too, because it actually has a, it's like a huge flower motif. 
A lot of the late stage Keyblades are well designed, I think. You gotta make them look more dramatic, so. Mm-hmm. It's that whole RPG thing of where you want the late game stuff to look really cool, so you don't care as much about the early stuff. No, except for the Kingdom Key, most of the Keyblades have some pretty impressive uh, motif designs, anyways. The Kingdom Key is so simple that you almost forget about it. But at the same time, the Kingdom Key is like the iconic Keyblade. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's nothing, certainly nothing wrong with it, but it really does scream. Standard. And, yeah, it is your starter weapon, but it actually is a really well-designed starter weapon. I'm not going to dunk on the key, Kingdom Key. I think it's good. So, yeah, once you have to get through the dungeon all the way back to the princess room. Uh, where plot happens, and then you also get the Oblivion Keyblade. Yeah. Well, no, the princesses are awake, and they all apparently have read the cliff notes on the plots. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Give us the cliff notes. There's basically telling you that, you know... Ansem left, that he doesn't care about them, they're not needed anymore, but the key, the door is now open, needs to be closed. They're apparently holding back the darkness by standing there. That's what princesses do. Stand there, hold back darkness. Those are the two things princesses do. I was going to say emotional labor and magical labor. Oof. Sorry, I just had to. Just oof. So we now we finally, like I said, you find the Oblivion Keyblade. It's, uh, it's up near the, the evil machine where we were before. Yep, as we were commenting, it is the dark keyblade to the uh, Oathkeeper's light keyblade to yeah. the point where they had the galaxy brain idea of making its uh, key prongs look like the darkness kanji, which is way more complex than the light kanji. <laughs> so so Oblivion just is that much more extra to be edgy? Yeah, it is the edgiest keyblade that you can equip. <laughs> it, I, well, you there, can equip in this game. I bet there's yeah. more somewhere. <laughs> oh, there are definitely edgier keyblades in later games. So you go in there, and then we got a we got a boss fight inside this big swirly zone. It's a behemoth. So, for, real quick question: If you're coming into a game only with a Final Fantasy conception of what a behemoth looks like, what would you describe a behemoth as? It's kind of a it's a it's a quadrupedal, big green to purple, heavily muscled monster with sort of a shaggy mane and a horn. Yep. Like I would describe it as some sort of like bear wolf thing with, yeah. with clear fantasy elements. They're almost they're almost always the most terrifying looking monster you'll encounter in a Final Fantasy game. They live up to being called a behemoth. Yeah, they're always ridiculously mu- muscly with uh, with and usually purple with some pretty scary horns. I kind of almost think of them as like wolf bulls. That's a classic Final Fantasy behemoth. What would you say the Kingdom Hearts behemoth looks like? You know what I think it looks it's like? It's those ones I'm struggling to put into words. <laughs> Go ahead. Like, it's still got the muscle. It's still got the horns. It's still purple. It's got big claws. But all that is really rounded and really kind of fucking adorable. I want to give this thing a hug. (laughs) It's got a snubble face. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. It has a snubble face. The Pokemon snubble. With that underbite with the big horns sticking up. The, The underbite just adds a charm point to it that is just... Actually, more like cute. a gramble, only cu- like cuter than a gramble, but it has like the big tusks from it. Mm-hmm. All I know is I love this heartless. I want to give it a hug. I'm sure there's got to be a it's plushie. It's 15 feet tall, dude. You you're just gonna hug one of its big like like claw hoofs. It's got lobster claw hoofs with it for its front paws. Cloven hooves. <laughs> They're trotters. Mm-hmm. It's also not that hard of a fight. Nah. Like, if it's a behemoth in Final Fantasy, you're kind of like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, this is the worst type of thing I could encounter in a random encounter. This one is like, jump up on its back, hit its horn a bunch, you win. <laughs> you'll get knocked down every so often, and you will get thrashed, but it can't hurt. But if you can get on its back, you're pretty safe and can do tons of damage where it bucks you off. Mm-hmm. Like, 
But they're so cute. <laughs> so, you get in there, you fight the behemoth, and what happens next? There's a, like, second keyhole inside the big swirling multicolored blackness, so you close it. Yeah. And that didn't really fix anything. Nope. <laughs> it's, so let's go back out to Hollow Bastion yeah. and regroup. I mean, is that this doesn't stop the Stem of Heartless. There's still another place we have to go to finish everything. Yep. So what did this accomplish? We got to fight a cute behemoth. So we go out there, and now that all the work's done, the Final Fantasy characters are back. Yay! <laughs> and they're here because they also have plot to fill you in, just like the princesses. Yep. They talk about how uh, Hollow Bastion was originally their home. And that Sid brought them there on his ship, which he couldn't bother to share with us. Yep. All the Final Fantasy characters showing up after we did all the hard work. Um, Bunch of... So, and then they also let you know that if you defeat Ansem, the worlds that were destroyed by the Heartless will come back, but they'll be sealed off again, and and no one will ever be able to meet again. The worlds ever. were originally separate. Even the gummy ships only happened because the Heartless were screwing things up so much they were weakening the barriers. Mm-hmm. They'll never see each other again. And gummy ships will be useless. Er, uselesser. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. They say that We'll never forget each other. Yuffie says, even with therapy. No, she says she couldn't even if she wanted to. Oof. Oof. <laughs> but our hearts are connected. Yep. But yeah, we're never gonna actually going to meet again. Never, ever. Not even if the game is good enough for a sequel. Right, guys? <laughs> oh, no, definitely. <laughs> you know, so after we said, we go back to Prince and says, yeah, you sealed that, but there's more darkness somewhere else. You should take care of that, too. Yep. So so we got a, we got a goal. But before we go do that... Let's go to the library one more time and talk to Aerith. Because we need to find a nerd, go to the library. And yeah. if the Final Fantasy characters is a nerd, the ones that we were provided, it would be Aerith. Yeah, probably. Maybe Sid is the other possible nerd. Sid's an engineer. Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's a little bit too... He, he's kind of like the kind of badass kind of engineer rather than the nerd engineer, though, I think. I mean, do you know, you know how many nerds try and puff up and look tough because they're embarrassed of being nerds, right? I suppose that's true. Like, and Sid is a big softie. He swears because he's a big softie. <laughs> so what does Aerith give us? A whole bunch oh. of Ansem reports. So apparently Maleficent had her secret stash and she found them in the library. Yep. These are all the, we've only gotten odd number reports up there and now we get Ansem reports 2, 4, 6, 8, and 10. And th- throughout the episode we've been re- reading them a bit at a time. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and finish up with Ansem Report number 10. Just as people have hearts, so do worlds. The same can be said of stars in the night sky. And deep within each world lies a door to its heart. The heartless desire those hearts. Born out of darkness in people's hearts, they seek to return to a greater heart. Yes, that's it. The heartless come from people's hearts, as does the darkness. Is the core of the world's heart the world of the heartless, I will pursue the answer there and become all-knowing. My path is set. I shall seek out the wielder of the Keyblade and the princesses. My body is too frail for such a journey, but I must do this. I will cast it off and plunge into the depths of darkness. So, these five reports are all about Ansem's descent into darkness. Yep. Aerith even comments how we always thought that he died to finish the Heartless. Man, we got that wrong. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the interesting thing about this one, I think, is how 
they're reprising Final Fantasy VII's live stream thing with the oh, yeah. Heart of the Worlds. Yeah, the um, they've uh, repurposed a lot of the idea of Gaia Theory into this Hearts Connected type thing, which I think it's pretty interesting as a complete Final Fantasy take on a really esoteric concept of souls and then Disneyfied by turning it all into hearts. Yep. <laughs> yep. One of my favorite things about the Japanese language is how mm. I think broad a lot of common words have in meaning. We we kind of have this too with the idea of the heart being almost identical or similar to the concept of a soul. Mm-hmm. But in Japanese, it's the word kokoro, heart, does in fact have that emotional heart, the soul yeah. kind of aesthetic. If you're talking about the physical heart in Japanese, you're usually using shinzo. Is that correct? Yep, that's right. Uh, uh, so when you use kokoro, which is probably what they're using here in Japanese, I haven't seen a Japanese script, so I don't know for sure. I think they might actually use the English word hato, but I'm ah. not sure. Well, they probably use kingdom hatsu. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but if they use Kokoro, that would just totally imply, yeah, we're going for a souls type idea here. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, though, the heart is sort of a so like there's three things that Kingdom Hearts really cares about the body, the mind and the heart, the heart being sort of the emotional core of a person is probably the best way I have of putting it. How would you describe this? So we you know, we have. I don't know the the word for this. We have dualism. Is there an equivalent word for three? Trinity. Trinities, yeah. Yeah, I suppose that's Which, true. Which, you know, we got. The IKA Trinities. Yep. Yeah, like, Trinities are all over the place in Kingdom Hearts, right down to its core mythology. Do we have anything else we want to say on these? It's kind of funny that he managed to only alternate his really his his evil bullshit for those. <laughs> like, yeah, Maleficent like, kept the one she thought was neat. Yep, Maleficent's just like, hey, this stuff actually has important stuff. Fuck all this other I stuff. Just think they're neat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of interesting because we got this idea of just from reading the answer reports earlier that. You know, these heartless were around through no fault of Ansem himself. Right. But, but then when we see in between them, these alternating ones, we realize. Well, well, they, yeah. Do they explain the difference between Emblem Heartless and uh, Natural Heartless in these? Which one did that? We no. even said that they, they even said they weren't. There was basically no difference, but he marked them because of the experiments. Yeah. And the yeah. Mark well, is there the were emblem. some heartless. Mm-hmm. Well, there were natural forming heartless. And they, you could say that they were that the whole situation wasn't caused by him, mm-hmm. at least not to begin. He definitely let that just zoom out of control and exacerbate it. So, in the original Kingdom Hearts, were these the only Ansem reports? Oh, maybe in Final Mix, but there's thirteen in Final Mix. Yeah, there's thirteen in Final Mix. I was just asking, like in the original, does it end at ten? I believe it does. So, yeah, if you are playing the original PlayStation ver- Two version, this is the last Ansem report you get, which. Is kind of like an indication of, yeah, we're trying to fill in all the details we need to finish up the story. Mm-hmm. And on that note, actually, you finished up Hollow Bastion for the game. Yeah, well done, y'all. There's probably only a few things left to cover, though there's a lot to talk about in terms of like side content. But we will cover all that in the next episode and then go on to finish the game. Yep. So until next time, I'm John. I'm Jared. And I'm Matt. And remember, a good story is best shared with friends. Thank you for listening to Backlog Dialogues. If you're enjoying our deep dives and discussions, be sure to leave a five-star review on the podcatcher of your choice. 
If you're really enjoying our deep dives and discussions, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash backlogdialogues. If you'd like to hear more episodes, you can find our archives at backlogdialogues.com. Special thanks to Eli for our theme song. Kingdom Hearts and all associated trademarks are the property of Disney and Square Enix. Please support the official release.